The following program is classified R18+. It's not suitable for viewers under the age of 18. Welcome to the most uncut, unfiltered, and unrelenting episode of the Parramatta Podcast in our history. Yes. Because for just the second time in our, um, what are we at, 50 plus episodes now? In our illustrious yeah, history, in our whatever illustrious it is. career, history, uh, historical records, where we've had a glorious leader, Hamish, um, due um, to some personal reasons. He's doing all right, but I think he was busy getting home from work, which means the lunatics are running the asylum. And um, I'm joined by some special guests and some good boys. But um, first up, we've got some Highlander rules in action because... There can be only one! I'm joined by the um, the only Hamish that matters. Ham, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm back on the bandwagon. Yeah, that's you know, it. I, I, had to, I, had to, I had to leave after a loss, but I'm, I'm one, back. One week in Reggie's and they've got him back in action after a, a superstar performance, much like Bevan French. Um, but also tonight, we've got Bertie here. Hey, it's gone. That's good to hear you, buddy. And for the first time in a while, with a, a new internet connection and a new home, if I'm not mistaken, Parramatta's. How you doing, buddy? Oh, well, guys. I'm well. I'm well. Rest up beautifully from Group 2 Rugby League on Sunday, or I called that for the local radio station. Saw a couple of young Hills boys in action in the under-18s, and they went pretty well as well. Beautiful. Good to have you back on the um, well, sound waves, I suppose, technically, the uh, the internet waves, whatever we do here in this um, this madhouse. But it was a eventful week for the Parramatta Eels um, from top to bottom. A couple of really good results, a couple of really bad results. It was um, a mixed bag, but we got the, the most important win on the board. But we'll start from the bottom. Uh, it's the last week, or it was the last week, of uh, play for regulation games in the uh, district reps and Tasha Gales. So starting with our girls, and they came up against – they were the number one seeded team, weren't they, the Knights, coming into this round? Uh, well, they're, they're, so. they're a top yeah. one or two team, so they were you know, a pretty legit lineup. And unfortunately, they took our young girls to task. It was a 48-4 wipeout. Uh, Talia Alexander got on the board for us in the 19th minute, but aside from that, it was one-way traffic. The girls, however, do book a spot into the finals, and they – Wow, I thought I had the ladder up. This is how organised I am, guys. Uh, they're fifth. So they're fifth. So they'll be playing the uh, eighth place the Raiders, Raiders. Oddly enough, who they met in round one, and I think they they took them apart thirty-two to twelve or thirty-two to fourteen. So they um they pretty comfortably handed the Raiders back in round one. But two months later, it's a lot of football, which means um you know a lot of things, a lot of could change between now and then. Uh, but it's fantastic for the girls to um come off their second season and second season is that right, Hamish? Yeah, yeah, second yeah, season. Second season of Tasha Gale and go from being the worst team in the competition to, you know, being genuine finals contenders now. And that's a, a fantastic step forward for both the girls and their coach, uh, Joey Nalavau, right? Yep. Yeah, I always, I always get him mixed up because I know he's the one that played for Parramatta back in 09, but I always say Tony Paul Tour. So I got it right the first time. <laughs> getting getting better there. Um, yeah, so we'll. we'll um, he, was, he was part of the hair beard, right? He was for, for the Penrith Panthers back in their glory run of um, 2003. Uh, but we'll we'll get to who the girls are facing in that Canberra lineup later in the um show in the preview section of it. But um, for now, congratulations to the girls. Um, I know they had a bad loss there, but uh, sudden death football next week, uh, big game. Moving on to the Howard Matthews, another bad result here. Newcastle Knights, they they were the top seeded team. Is that right, Hamish? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've, they've been one of the best teams in the competition. Obviously, when you occupy that number one seed, that means you're pretty handy. Um, and they they easily counter for our boys twenty eight to six. Uh, Tatona Junior right. 
uh, got on the board for us. Second try score in the seventh minute in the game with Lock on um, Crouch, sorry, uh, getting on the board first for the Knights. Uh, Francis uh, Fayofo Tuatino did the conversion. Um, and we only trailed 10 6 at half time, but the game obviously blew away from us in the second half. Uh, we, you weren't out at St. John's over, were you, Ham? That's a, no, it's up in Newcastle. Yeah, exactly. Man, so. so you're only, you're only there once, a, once in a blue moon for the railways, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, that means that our boys will miss out um, in for finals football this year, uh, which sucks. But uh, coming into the season, Ham and I were, were tipping this team to sort of struggle a little bit. There's a uh, compared to recent years, there's been a big sort of um, talent drop off. Uh, which not to say it's a bad team, but just in recent years, the Eels have been spoiled for talent in Harold Matthews, and I think they they learned some hard lessons this year about uh, completions, uh, not, essentially not shooting yourself in the foot, and um, not throwing away some games that they probably could have easily won. Okay, so we because Ham and I went out there. Unfortunately, there's not a huge amount of insight we can provide, which means we move on to the um, the first positive result of the weekend for Parramatta, and it's the third game against the Newcastle Knights with um, all three district representative teams obviously meeting the Knights, and the SG Ball had a shutout, which is pretty rare in the um, the SG Ball or in the district representatives in general. Uh, Twenty four nil over the Newcastle Knights, which books them a spot in the finals. Uh, Trey Mooney, Peter Tatio getting the double, and Josh Tuipulotu scoring tries and uh, Samuel Loizu was perfect off the boot striking four from four and both teams copying sin bins within um, two minutes Peter Peter Tateo getting bin in the 20th minute and uh, Christian uh, Ma, Manamea getting bin in the 22nd minute uh, so <laughs> obviously a pretty fiery game there good to see the boys getting up uh, 24 nil, and that means that they'll go in uh, what city have they got there Hamish I'm always uh, they're fourth. They'll play Manly at so Lotto Land on two, Sunday. Two bites at the cherry, but that means they're going to be playing the heavyweights in the competition. Manly, um, the two teams met earlier in the season and Parramatta ended up tying with Manly. Should have uh, won. 20 all, was that right? Yeah, 20 all, but we had a we, opportunity to go for field goal on the exactly. fourth tackle right in front off a quick play and the we, ball. we didn't. But anyway. <laughs> and so we, we had the opportunity to win that game. We ended up tying. Since then, I think Manly's been the better team. Uh, which is obviously reflected in the latter position. Paramount haven't been bad by any means, but it's a young team that has struggled for a little bit of consisting when it comes to handling and putting away their sets. But let's see how they handle crunch time footy. They'll get two bites at the cherry, as I said before, because they finished in the top four with the uh, the uh, revamped top eight system that the NRL uses from the top to the bottom. So, uh, yeah, Lotto Land, you said, was the um, the venue for the, the game next week, or this week, rather? Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll, we, yeah, we'll, I we'll, we'll cover that in the that, previews I'm anyway. We get everything mixed up. What's happened? You got an idiot at host. Um, now, oh god, this is probably the worst result um, of the round. Probably uh, the Eels going down thirty-eight to four to the Cronulla Sharks. This was another table-topping team hosting our boys, who are really struggling at the moment in the jersey flag. Uh, they're missing a few key players still, uh, and the same problems that have plagued our sixteens and eighteens as far as handling and consistency have um, definitely been on show in this grade. So uh, Hayes Dunster scored in the 26th minute, and this was his return game from an elbow injury. Am I not mistaken in saying mm-hmm. that, Ham? Was that last week? Week before. Week before, there you go. But it was the return game of Joseph Tapari. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. They're, they're slowly getting back to full strength, but it, it seems as, as every time they add a play, they lose one with um, Johnny Fanua getting hurt. That game, is that right? Was it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I believe he injured his ankle. So they, they sort of they get one wave of reinforcements then lose another core player, Um this was out at McCready Park, which it also clashed, I think, with the first grade fixture. No, was this Saturday or Sunday? No, this was um, Saturday at three. Yeah, so it, it was what well, didn't clash strictly, but it was a bit out of the way compared to some of the other games. Did you get out to this one? 
No. Yeah, so it was that sort of weekend, unfortunately, if the um the reps out at uh, Newcastle and then this game out at McCready Park on the Saturday, uh, which means that the Eels remain winless in the jersey flag after three starts. An unfortunate result, but uh, it's something that we sort of predicted coming in because it's a transitional year for this team. They've got a lot of their best players playing uh, Canterbury Cup or NRL, or uh, on the other side, there's a lot of their best players playing SG Ball. So once they filter up through the end of this competition, they'll um, give them a little bit of a boost there. Uh, but they do need to sort of just keep grinding away. And anything to add there, Ham? Um, no, I just think from what I was told, they just need to hold on to the ball a little bit better. I think <laughs> it's been their problem for the first three rounds. 70% or so. Yeah. And, you know, with a inexperienced team, if, you, if, you're, if you're an experienced team, a talented team, you can get away with only mm-hmm. completing at 70%. But when there is inexperienced and sort of not as talented as just because of they've got so many players playing upgrades and um, injured at the moment. You know, you need to be completing 80% or yeah. above to want to stay in the comp- stay in um, each game. Exactly. Um, so that's, um, you know, once again, it's not an insult to the boys there. It's just a reality that they're sort of harming their own chances at the moment. Um, and now jump across some of the uh, uh, auxiliary grades here. Uh, in the Sydney Shield, the Guildford Owls pipped the Bulls 30 to 28. Uh, in the Ron Massey Cup, Wenty were uh, pretty comfortable winners over the Windsor Wolves, 38 to 10. Um, and then moving on to the uh, reserve grade affair where we had the uh, Wentworthville Magpies. That's the team. Uh, you think I'd know that by now. But the, the Wenty. <laughs> it's been a few years. Yeah. The Wenty Magpies hosted the Newtown Jets, which are the Cronulla Sharks feeder team this year. They've um, they've bounced yes. around a few different places. Yeah. Um, this was out at Ringrose Park on Sunday. It was a pretty hot day by all accounts. I wasn't out there, but I know Ham was. Um, mm. And this was the Bevan French show, uh, originally oh. originally scheduled to play fullback, um, much like we've spoken about on the podcast, I think, in the past, um, if not the podcast, but online. Um, we've spoken about Bevan moving into the halves, potentially in the reserve grade, to take greater responsibility for the team. And he did that plus a little bit more, didn't he? Yeah, I just um, sort of the start of the game, he was still a little bit erratic. He threw a ball over the sideline. Um just sort of, it was like he was playing fullback in the halves, but then he really settled into the spot. I think once, um, you'll see it on the highlights, when he put a chip kick in and the ball just bounced his way, just grew in confidence from there, put in some nice kicks, um, some nice little trick plays too. Um, there was a banana kick later on in the game, which I, I love a banana kick. You draw the fullback across, <laughs> it's, it is, kick it yeah, back in the middle. Oh. Tactically, such a great play if you can execute it correctly. And it's it's something that the Melbourne Storm do a lot, um, well, they did a lot when Cooper Cronk was there. Um, because, yeah. like you said, it, it draws the fullback out of position and you can punish it pretty hard. Um, in that 42-10 to 10 score, uh, Bevan French opened the try scoring for Wenty in the 27th minute, and that was the um, the first try of the game, so pretty late. Uh, Ray Stone then got a double with um, Damon Goolagong, uh, Bevan French getting his second, Darice Miller, and then Josh Hoffman closing out the try scorers. Reese Davies and Brad Kieran shared the kicking responsibilities, and they went 7-for-7 seven seven combined, so that's a pretty good day off the tee. Um, there was a sin bidding. Um, gorgeous George Jennings uh, got 10 minutes in the bin in the 43rd minute. Uh, Ham, you want to Just elaborate? Like his brother. <laughs> yeah, the, it's, it's certainly a, a Jennings thing, thing, isn't it, getting a uh, uh, sit-down in the uh, dressing sheds? But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what was the context behind that sin bidding? Because there, there is a little bit of a story there, isn't there? Uh, just he smashed him. <laughs> just hit him too hard. <laughs> he smashed the bastard. Um, no, um, he he came back on and there was a little, little bit of a, a storyline there, wasn't there? Oh, yes, that's right. Um, yeah, so George, he he did smash him. He lifted them up and sort of dropped them on their back, went over the horizontal. 
Um, Newtown player had to go off for uh, HIA. And then anyway, so both come back on and later on in the game, um, George was taking a hit up and the Newtown player, um, he, here he had two defenders on him. Newtown player tried to missile him <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> oh, God. But he completely missed. <laughs> oh, jeez. He died. Stan just <laughs> laughed and he, he, good for him. He sort of had a smile on his face and just sort of smacked his head to say, you idiot, <laughs> sort of everything. But that's nah, good. That, that, was, that was very good. good. Now, um, I know that you had Bevan French as the uh, best player on the field by a fair margin, but you had Ray Stone uh, marked pretty highly. Um, he, oh. had, he had 120 something meters, I think 35 tackles. Was it two tries? Yeah, two tries. Yeah, two tries. I'll tell you what, um, those 35 tackles. He rarely gets above 25 because the first 10, he just slaughters people yeah, he, in defense a, and then they look at him and go, I'm not running at him anymore. So hard. for him to get 35 tackles in 70 or so minutes is absolutely massive. And, um, it means that the Jets are pretty stupid but continue to yeah, run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I they, think so. Exactly. They, they weren't quick learners on that particular there, Sunday. There's afternoon. a reason why they're coming last. Um, but the win improves. <laughs> the win improves Wenty to two and two on the season from four games, obviously, and it keeps him in touch with um, not just the top eight but the top four. Uh, and that's a, a pretty good um, reflection on the, the work that Rip Taylor's done there because it's not a, a supremely talented team at the moment uh, between the, the sort of the Wenty Sox and the NRL team drawing on a few players. They've done very well after a, a very ordinary start against Penrith in round one to improve to that position and now have a have a pretty big litmus test coming up in the the previous section of the pod. And now, I'll tell you what, um, oh, yeah, hit me with in it. terms of Wenty guys, two that have really impressed me are Damon Goolagong and um, Brad Kieran. Goolagong's is sort of not stocky, just not that tall, but just well-built winger, really rucks the ball out well, probably make about 100 metres. And um, Brad Kieran, he was a hooker in the first game, then he's played half um, rounds two and three, and he's just you know a great utility player. You know, With um, Parramatta uh, filling their own reserve grade team next year, I wonder if we would be looking at those two to give them a contract. Yeah, they, 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 they seem do. like really solid potential acquisitions for that um, roster. Yeah, see what they could do with like a because I assume they'd be training full time then. Yeah, not, I don't, I don't, I don't know the details well, of it all. Whatever the setup will be for Parramatta, but you think that they'd be training at least like semi regularly against the NRL guys. Yeah, so you know, depends what they could do in that time, and and um, you know, there's so- something there. Yeah, and some side side uh, what's it called uh, commendations and awards that come out of that with um, Mitchell Butfield, uh, Ray Stone um, earning starting selections in the uh, NSWRL Team of the Week for the CC, and somehow Bevan French got a bench spot instead of the starting halfback spot with um, uh, Eli Levito from the St George Illawarra Dragons somehow beating him out to that number seven jersey for the meaningless honour that is the um, Team of the Week on NewSouthWalesRugbyWeek.com. But uh, three players getting rewards for that big win. Um, and that means that we can then move on to the main affair, which was the Parramatta Eels hosting the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, Saturday night, prime time, 7.30. The Eels running out 24-12 to 12 victors. Um, and so in the spirit of what Hamish usually does, I run us through some quick stats. Uh, some interesting stuff to come out of this. Uh, possession was split 50-50, uh, as was time possession, 28 minutes and 17 seconds apiece for the two teams. Uh, the Sharks were slightly more efficient in their sets, they completed at 86%, which was 31 of 36, and we completed at 82%, which is 31 of 38. However, 80% plus is that sort of magic number that you'll hit coaches espouse. So both teams are in a good range there. Um, we ran less, for, we, sorry, we made less running attempts than the Sharks, but ran for a lot more meters. However, they offloaded and uh, passed the ball a lot more. So it was an interesting seeing the, the dichotomy of the attacking styles there. 
Um, so we were obviously much more effective on the ground, was our, whereas they were pushing a lot more passes. I know Andrew Fafita had a quite a few offloads, which probably would have contributed there. Uh, as far as individual players are, um, it wouldn't shock you to hear this, but Quentin Gufferson was pretty good. Uh, 250 <laughs> metres off 21 runs. Um, he had a line break assist, a line break, a try assist. He nearly had an incredible soccer try going the length of the field. If it wasn't for that dastardly Bronson Cherry, we still don't know if he's a fruit or a berry, but um, he's a pretty good found rookie. <laughs> Make <laughs> um, Acevo had 194 meters from 18 runs. Uh, that Blake Ferguson bloke's gone all right at 240 meters from 24 runs. Or they did have that one unfortunate brain fart. It wasn't so much a brain fart as it was the ball sort of teasing him, which allowed um, Sasai Fekir to score his first try of the night. Um, but we can get to that later. Um, in the forward pack, uh, Daniel Alvaro cracked 100 meters. Uh, Junior Paul had an outstanding game, um, not just on the uh, running aspect, but he was distributing the ball, running inside lines. And this is something I'll get to later. We've, we've been very creative, Junior. Um, he defended quite well. Uh, Murata was excellent off the bench. Both um, Kane Evans and Timmy Manor were outstanding. Um, and then the the man in the match, for most people, I dare say, I think there is a case for Quinton Gufferson to be up there, but Mitchell Moses was um, was brilliant as well. He had 113 running meters, which is always um, a big game when a half cracks anywhere near 100. He had a couple of try assists, a line break assist, and a lot. They only have him down for one line break. I would have sworn he had two line breaks that game, um, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, so, the, the, I mean, the numbers are fantastic for across the board for Parramatta. And um, this will um, sort of uh, segue us into our actual match discussion, which we'll start with a, a drop that our glorious leader, Hamish, requested. And he's not here to to have it um, played to him, obviously. But um, this is what he wanted us to, to hit the podcast with. Excuse me, sir. Yes. But what would happen if, for some reason, we ignore somebody unlocked 100% of the cerebral capacity? 100%? Yes. I have no idea. Now, Morgan Freeman obviously doesn't know the answer in whatever movie that's from, but us uh, intelligent and insightful Paramount fans could tell him in a blink of an eye that the answer is Blake Ferguson because oh, he had that incredible incredible heads-up play where he went down the sideline, planted his foot on um, his left foot out and then touched the ball on a rolling kick and immediately turned around to the touchy and um, you know informed of what that rule was to get the Paramount Eels a scrum where he otherwise would have been forced into touch with possession. So, um, yeah, that, that sort of kickstarts our uh, match review of that game. Uh, what, did the, what did you boys think of Fergo and what did you boys think of everything else that happened on the field? It was pretty good. I thought the game quality was really high, as you could see from the stats. You know, both teams completed it over 80%. Um, the Sharks never sort of went away, even though they were, they were missing sort of three of their top liners. Stage, were we safe until that last try that Jennings scored? I think it was seven minutes to go. The rest of that game, I thought the Sharks are going to come back at us. Breaks, but our scramble and defence this year is chalk and cheese compared to last season. There seems to be guys always coming back in on the inside and covering. So if you know, if one bloke misses a tackle, there's two more there cover it up. And, and Mitchell Moses, really, he's a completely different footballer to what he was last year. Yeah, well, it's not, just, as well. it's not just Mitchell yeah. Moses. It's the entire team drawing parallels to that 2017 season, isn't it? The um the hunger, very similar, yeah. The, the commitment. I think we're, we've we've diversified our offensive structures just a little bit, especially for that double cross under with our wingers. But there there is a lot of parallels to that 2017 season. The biggest thing that somebody mentioned on Twitter the other day was the only difference they could see between 17, 18, and now is that 18 we had Hayne in the team. I mean, oh, I think there's a lot more yeah, than you, just you're drawing. You're drawing a pretty player. pretty um. Yeah, I, I don't agree with it. No, I, yeah. I think a lot of it's to do with. Our bench rotation is better. There was um there was a whole there was a whole a whole basket full of circumstances to why we were so awful in twenty eighteen. 
we um we we went into depth in it in the podcast in the past. But yeah, um, it, it is interesting to see that the, the team is responding so positively amidst what we know. Everyone, not everyone, but the wider NRL is built as a re- rebuilding season, um, and a lot of that's got to do obviously with our back three starting the game so strongly for us. Um, Bertie, what do you got to say about um yeah. about Gaffo Fergo and uh, the new boy Makasivo? kickstarting the games for Parramatta, especially I, I said this, um, I can't remember when I said this, but um, it's good to see Guffo to his full strength since um, his ACL because, you know, with those knees injuries, we're like, we don't know if they're going to be the same, but I haven't seen him this good. This, is this the best he's been, this career best form in this, terms this, of this like, is better than his 20, like, better than his 20, oh my God, better than his 2017 season in my opinion and I'm pretty certain the numbers back it up yeah. because he's, yeah, because I'm, I, when someone posted a stat, him and Fergo are leading the runs, like the meters and the runs. Like, no. I'm shocked. I didn't realize like Guffo's a sneaky suspicion because I know Fergo, that's his bread and butter. But Guffo, I was shocked and I was like, I've got to get this guy on my fantasy team, man. That's what I thought. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was your boy Ham that was on the front foot of those numbers. He was the one that spat him out in the weekend. Uh, and yeah, pointed, exactly. I pointed, was pointed like, out that they're ridiculous. leading the NRL one and two. So that's, um, it, I mean, it's made a huge difference. And I think the numbers for our forwards might be technically down just a little bit because of the workload that these three boys are doing. It's just, it's sensational. And, you know, it, it was obviously huge against the Sharks. Um, and they, they didn't kick as well as they could have because of the um, the presence of a new newcomer and Kyle Flanagan with um, Sean Johnson pulling up a little bit lame in the, the warm up. But they, you know, they work so hard. And it, because they work so hard, it creates these opportunities that shouldn't be there. And I, I know we didn't up scoring the try, but before half time, Blake Ferguson comes flying onto a ball with, you know, three seconds to play. And, you know, and because he ran so hard, he got the offload away to Guffo. And we then go the length of the field with only Kane Evans falling, you know, half a meter short from scoring what would have been the try of the season. So, you know. As, you're right that the difference in the back three. You have a look at that now. When we field the ball inside our own 20, three, we're nearly out to the 40. Yeah, it, it's making Last a huge year, difference. Last year when we had smaller bodies on the wing, tackle three was still on the 20 meter yeah. line. So it makes a huge difference to where you kick and where you give back the ball to the opposition. I forgot to give a shout-out to the try scorers with um, Michael Jennings scoring a double. Um, Murata, a.k.a. Uh, Simba Niakore, got the first try scorer, uh, Gong. And uh, Brad Takarangi scored the other try for us, and that was how we got out the 24 points. Mitchell Moses continuing his hot streak off the kicking tee. What is that, 15 in a row now, is that him? Is that what we figured yeah. out? Yeah, he missed two against Penrith, and then since then he hasn't looked back. Um, you know, being fantastic, which is one of the big concerns that we had for Mitchell coming into this season was how consistent he could be off the tee. And he's certainly um, allaying that fear. Um, but speaking of Mitchell Moses, what did you make of his game, Ham? He's um, been pretty solid across the season uh, to date. Well, you know, it's only four games, but he, he definitely went up a notch on Saturday night. Um, yeah, just sort of one, one, one of my biggest concerns of him last year was his consistency and to carry good games across the season. But he's just been getting better and better each game. I thought he played sort of both both halves were very differently. In the first half, he was running the ball. He was looking, he made line breaks, was dangerous the whole time. And the Sharks didn't have an answer for him. In the second half, especially the final 20 minutes, the game management from him was unbelievable. He put the ball into the corner um, when we needed a break. He kept it in play when we needed to. So he didn't have that flashy brilliance. But for me, it was just as good to see him 
do that as well as the runs and the try um, assists and all that sort because of thing. Because there's no denying that he's got the potential to be, you know, a flashy attacking playmaker, isn't there? But for him, it's about finding that consistency and knowing when not to take the shot in order to better set up his team for a, a big punch later, you know, two sets down the road. And he did that to, you know, exemplary, exemplary standard, sorry, on Saturday night. Um, and, and I think I was talking to you about this the other day. It was by by managing the game that way, it was what allowed him to set up that second Michael Jennings try that shut away the game. Um, because Yeah, oh, he he picked it perfectly. He looked up um, Scott Sorensen. I don't know what he was thinking. I thought, it looked like he was jogging off for an interchange, but he was at marker, and then all of a sudden he's running over to the sideline, and there was an easy three on two, and he just looked up and, you know, he's got that flashy brilliance to throw that cutout ball to Ferguson, the streaks down the sideline to score. And um, we had plenty of other good contributors on the night. Michael Jennings got a double. I know the commentators, I wasn't out of the game because I had a family uh, dinner to attend, but uh, the commentators were sort of laying into Michael Jennings about having a quiet game, and I was like, well... I think it's more a case of the ball just not going to his side. And he ended up with two tries in the night. And um, that, that's pretty useful. <laughs> Getting two tries in any night is pretty handy. Um, but um, Reid Marnie had a pretty good game. I know he missed a few tackles, but he was there for 80 minutes. His first 80-minute performance of the season. Uh, we went with four forwards on the bench, so we didn't have much choice. Um, Murata Niakore was very strong. Tepe Marol was very good. Off the bench, we got great service out of um, three of our props in Penny Terepo, Tim Manor, and Kane Evans. While Oregon Kafusi didn't get a run to his name, but defended pretty strongly. Uh the one, the one player I wanted to have a chat about, though, was Jamin Salmon. He had some pretty big boots to fill with um, Dylan Brown missing his first game due to, uh, quote-unquote, uh, stress load management, I suppose is the best way of um, putting it, as the Eels look to nurture a potential uh, lower back issue. Um, how did you guys think that the um, the young fish went in um, the relief duty and the minor playmaker responsibility? I thought he played it perfectly, oh. you know, just sort of... Yeah, solid. Just, sorry, just, he just, yeah, just did his job. He didn't really need to... Um, step up. You just you got to give Mitch the ball because he's the, you know, especially in this game, the more dominant player. Um, really took it on his shoulders. All Jamin had to do was just go out, defend well, um, when when he needed to, just deliver the right pass. And so, yeah, I think that's always you said before. The commentators were saying Jennings, um, didn't didn't see much of the ball on his side, but you know, when when um, this is not a. a Mark on Salmon. I I don't think he's a half personally, but he's not he's not experienced in the halves. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's not going to be throwing the balls or working his outside men like Dylan Brown can. But he did his best job. He did a he, he did a very game. good job backing up. He was unlucky not to score once or twice. To be honest, yes, he runs the ball very hard too. I like it when he runs at the line. Yeah, he's he's one he bust through that first line of defence, doesn't he? He's um yeah he's a deceptively strong runner of the ball and I think he's in the halves at the moment he's sort of well in the at the moment he's only played one game there he was at, at moments he was in two minds as to where he wanted to run the ball or distribute it and as he plays a couple more games there and especially once he finds his home in the centres long term I think he'll be much more uh, uh, firm and decisive in when he wants to run the ball and that'll help set him up to be more effective in that regard. But you know he yeah. he he was given a, a small plate of responsibilities. He kicked once and it was you know pretty tidy, uh, and you know he he did what he had to do in that that minor playmaker role, the offside role to Mitchell Moses, which is good, because as we saw last year, having too many chefs in that kitchen can um quite quickly um uh, cram up that kitchen. Uh, any other talking points for you boys? Oh, one one thing I did want to mention is how we we use Junior Paula. Um, I I've, in the last couple of weeks have been very um experimental and adventurous of um, the sort of responsibilities we've given him. 
Um, he's been running wide. He's been passing, as we saw against the Roosters. He threw that sensational cutout ball that let uh, – was it Brad Takarangi score? I think, uh, it, I think it was Taka scoring against the Roosters. Yeah, I think oh, – no, was it, or, yeah. Or it was Fergo maybe or – It was a cutout pass to Fergo who turned it back inside the Taka, I thought. But um, against yeah. against the uh, Sharks on the weekend, uh, we were very um, methodical and insistent on turning the ball inside to him from Mitchell Moses uh, to try and catch out the uh, interior sliding defense of the Sharks. And he didn't end up scoring, but he went damn close at one point. And it was just, you know, a, another showcasing of his potential for athletic plays because once he – um, it wasn't even a case of him trying to wind up. All of a sudden, he just – he put the foot down and the big fella sort of just exploded for his half gap. So I am very um, happy that the coaching staff and the, the playing group are, are finding ways to get, you know, their marquee prop more involved and give them different looks at the defense. And that's a, a credit to everyone that's involved. Yeah, it Penny threw the yeah. Penny threw the same ball that Tuna did to um in the Roosters game for Takarangi's try. So it's obviously um something they work on because Penny threw a, a you know perfect pass. Mm. So that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so there, there there's a couple of forwards that have been obviously given some sort of license to attack the edges and and be aggressive in their playmaking choices. And um, speaking of Penny, <laughs> um, I don't know for those who watch the Sunday Footy Show, but I think Junior got a little bit of unfair praise. Because um, when they were showing the highlights of the game and praising Junior, um, they sort of chopped in about half of Penny's highlights from that game. <laughs> so, not to say that Junior wasn't deserving of the plaudits. We just gave him a big shout out. But um, Sunday footy show, you might want to check your footage because they're not, they're not the same player. Um, for the show. Well, I think as a team, our discipline has it's really been top shelf. Oh, so uh, absolutely, Pam. And three penalties this week. I think the week before was similar. And yes, uh, the Panthers in round one. I think we only gave away three as well. That's, that's, a, that's a very good point. Away eight or nine a game. That's a very good way, uh, a very long way into how you win a game is not considering chunk meterage from penalties and extra possession. And that killed us. I think last year we were by far and away the worst point, uh, worst team that could see points after a penalty. And because, yeah. you know, back-to-back positions to break your back. Um, and, and speaking of penalties, we did concede an embarrassing try to uh, to Sasai Fecky for his second of the night when they um, caught a snapping off a penalty tap restart. But in general, they, they scored off a, a Blake Ferguson fumble grubber kick and a trick play penalty restart. They had plenty of shots at our um, our goal line, and we defended really well. So uh, that's a, a really positive indicator moving forwards, and it's something that we had to tighten up after what the Roosters did to us in the final 20 minutes in round three. So they've done a good job there. And um, If there's one negative um, that we looked at the Roosters game is when they cut, when the players cut back into the middle of the park, mm-hmm. like our defenders are usually flat-footed, and the Sharks did that. I think it was once or twice. Like, um, it's just that's a that's a growing concern. And like, if teams can see that's our weakness, that we're slacking off and the ball comes back in, we just got to um, we've got to tighten that up because, yeah, like no, Bruce that's Teddy fair, did Teddy. it perfectly with speed. So yeah, yeah, that, that's very fair. And, and obviously, not every team is going to have a James Desco who is absolutely bullshit to try and tackle as a pinball wizard. Um, and he's obviously very good at exploiting the um that outside inside uh, shift by getting back um against the side in defense, but. That is, a, that is an important area to highlight for us moving forwards in that when the play starts to break down a little bit, you need the guys from the middle and the other side of the field to be aware and start pushing across the field to cut off those avenues to score back near the posts. Uh, any other commentary from that game, boys, or do you want to start moving on? Um, sort of a, a general thing with Jenny scoring his second double of the year. We've scored a double every single That's game right. so That's far great, this great, year. great piece of trivia. Yeah. Uh, we've, oh. We've um, found a way to four times in a row get a, a bloke to have a brace on the try scorers board, which is, I wonder how. I mean, you need a Dave Middleton type to do that, but that is a very exotic um, statistic, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 
I was only thinking about on the drive home. I thought, oh, with Jennings scoring his second double of the year, then um, Fergo scored two against the Dogs and Micah with two against the Roosters. So, and it's something to look out for if you're a if you're the first try scorer or second try scorer. And for Para, you'd be going, oh, I'm going to get a double here. <laughs> you get one, you get two. Um, and obviously, the the Sharks had a few injury issues in that game. We mentioned that Sean Johnson pulled out in the warm up, which meant Kyle Flanagan played. Uh, young Gun Bronson Sherry got a run in the centres. They were without Paul Gallon, which is a, a dubious. Yeah, Sherry's a, better than bloody Dugan. That's exactly right. And then and being oh. without Paul Gowan is a is a dubious handicap at best, given that they tend to play pretty well without the um the warhorse. Yeah, he's uh, a he's a bloody um blocker on their attack. Yeah. He stunts their attack so much. So and, and all these be... idiots, all these bloody wankers on the <laughs> uh, media saying the sharks, well sharks got players injured. Well, you look at the the way that like it's a positive game. Now Sherry's going to be a first-grade player. Exactly. He's probably going to represent New South Wales and Australia at some stage because he's that good of a player. And then um, Paul Gallon not in your team, I'd be cheering if Paul <laughs> Gallon wasn't in my team. And we're, we're, we're preaching to the choir well, yeah. here. But the, um, the yeah, Eels the without... Wine, the winery boys out, the Brown Brothers are yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we're, we're preaching to the choir here, but we're, the Eels without some pretty pretty cool talent. Uh, Nathan Brown at lock forward, Dylan Brown at 5'8", and Manu Ma'u as our... Uh, either edge starting forward, which is kind of a you know up for debate now, given the good form of the other two players there, but also an impact guy off the bench. So you know, there's three you know pretty core cool top seventeen guys without um, you know taking the field in round four. But it is what it is. Parramatta you know can only play what's in front of him, and they're three and one after a pretty um, tough start to the season. Well, it was a tough start on paper, um, with the only loss being a, a blown chance against the Roosters. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, once again, anything else, boys? Or are we ready to move on? Thank you. Next. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty certain there was no injury news. To, no injury news to come out of that game, which is always fantastic. Which means we can head on to. Uh, well, we usually have news at this point, but is there any news? I know the media is sort of running with the uh, storyline about Parramatta should be re-signing Quinton Gufferson and, to a lesser extent, Brad Arthur and Mitchell Moses. But there are. Um, just that Desbit or Manly are after. Um, yeah, the the North, the, just, you know, the Manly Seagulls and North Coast North Coast <laughs> sorry PM the North Coast Cowboys <laughs> the um, North Queensland Cowboys have um, been linked to Quinton Gufferson as well. Uh, I don't know how um how can he would be going on to the going back to the club that cut him loose or going up to Townsville. Um, I'm I'm pretty pretty confident that deals get done. Um, I don't know how much of this is um uh, sort of jockeying by player managers and by the club as they sort of you know work towards their respective numbers. Uh, I, I do wonder if the club would revisit the idea of that June window for re-signing Brad Arthur. If we're um four and one or five and one after Easter Monday, I think we will. Yeah, I think especially yeah. If, if if the players are coming into negotiations exactly. and saying, "Look, we want to know who the coach is." Um, well, then you just go, "Well, look, who else is on the market?" Mm-hmm. Not much. Let's be honest. Like not much out there in terms of NRL quality coaches. It was a it was an anonymous source in the Daily Telegraph today. But I think they, they made a good a salient point that we've we've made on the podcast, I think, before, in that if you're moving on from Brad Arthur, it has to be a very clear and distinct upgrade to like an absolute heavyweight coach. And I just I can't see that in the market. And I think that what Brad's done here in his uh five five and six years now, you know, barring the anomaly that was twenty eighteen, I think he's, you know, proven a lot. And I I think that if we're five and one after Easter Monday, there'll be a lot of people, whether it's um players, player managers and fans banging the table for that extension to get done so we can move on and, you know, re-sign this team and start looking to the play market to see what we need to fill out the squad for next year. 
Well, you say uh, an anomaly for 2018. Sorry, PM, I'll just finish quickly here. Um, I think it shows what uh, good support staff provides for Mm, uh, a head coach. It's not just the head coach anymore. It's your attacking coach, your defensive coach, your wrestling coach, your fitness coach. That's the other part that will need to be fixed up, you know, to sort of go lockstep into whatever Brad Arthur re-signs for is all those auxiliary staff members because what we're doing this year isn't just a credit to Brad – but it's a credit to the guys that are doing their jobs, whether it's, you know, conditioning, wrestling, attacking or defensive or backs or forwards coaches, like you said. Uh, PM, what are we going to hit, hit us with there? I was just thinking if, if we beat the Raiders this week, that I rank at the club, I'll be calling BA in next week and getting it done. Mm-hmm. And then after he signed, I'll be calling Guffo straight in and I'll be calling Mitch straight in. And what a marketing point it would be to announce an hour before kickoff in the new stadium that those three have re-signed with the club. That would be a, a, fa- a fantastic way to, to kickstart the new year at Western Sydney Stadium or Bankwest Stadium or Paramount Stadium. Paramount Stadium. Exactly. If you're, if you're, if you're a realist like me. Exactly. <laughs> now, uh, across the NRL, we had a little bit of bad boy news, um, zero days since last incident and all that sort of thing. Um, James Roberts had a, a fascinating photo taken recovering from a back injury. He um, hit the turps pretty hard and um, was carried out by four boys from a – was it a private residence? Is that what they end up deciding or was it a bar? I can't remember. And, uh, I know, but I, I didn't like Bill Gould defending it last night. On, oh, the the, the the media the media bounced between, that. yeah bounced between stupid takes all the time. So we're we're new media, mate. We're better than them. We got all the good hot yeah, takes. I, um, I and could not believe the way he just basically excused his behaviour. The other current well, there, there's a lot of Phil Gould and James Roberts that goes back in the past. So I think that he um mm. he uh he, you know has probably been a little bit too close to the um the picture there. Uh, and obviously the other bad boy was um, Latrell Mitchell, who was out nightclubbing in um, Foster Tunkurry and uh, got into a little bit of a hidden argument with the um, Seccos and got thrown out. Uh, he was the, um, the media reports were quite explicit in that he did not throw any punches, but he was um, moved on. So not nothing egregious, what? but a, a bad look for the game once again. And for a bloke that, you know, should be better than that, it's a bit disappointing. And Big Latrell rap, though, earlier in that day, he went out to his junior club junior teams during the day. Oh, there you go. So the, there is good and bad of fact there. So, and exactly. one, once again, you don't, you don't, they picked that up because <laughs> you don't, you don't hear he wasn't anything. even involved in the altercation. He, he just argued with the outside, I think, when they were told to leave. He, he should, I mean, I'll, I'll say this not as a, as a sort of a, a shutdown, you did a bad thing, but he should know better than trying to argue with a bouncer. Yeah, <laughs> it's a one, true. it's we'll a, it's a one, it's yeah. a one way street. You're not going to win that argument. <laughs> um, and the other uh, quote unquote, Bad boy in the um the eyes of the media was Valentine Holmes, who um couldn't catch a break trying to get out of the arrivals um, <laughs> the arrivals um terminal, um and didn't um answer any questions about his potential NFL career, which were later revealed that he would sign with the um uh, I was about to say Newtown the Jets the, 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 the New York City Jets the football Jets um under a special provision for international players on their practice squad, which means he cannot play this season. Um, which puts him in a really interesting spot. So he's going to learn the game for a year and then get into the NFL, hopefully, in the following season. And I think that just about wraps up the news. I probably missed something important, but, you know, it's not parallel-related. Oh, well. Exactly. Moving on to the previews. Uh, So once again, starting from the bottom of our junior reps, our district reps, we um, we mentioned that the Harold Matthews will not be playing any postseason footy, which is a damn shame. But our Tasha Gale girls will be. uh, They're going to be hosting, well, technically hosting, um in the fifth versus eight uh, competition, uh, 4.30 on Saturday, they'll be playing the uh, Canberra Raiders. Now, where is where is that? One second. Blacktown. Blacktown. Good golly. That is a 
Uh, so that'll be um, Patrician Brothers, I take it? No, it's the um, oh Blacktown Workers. Yeah. Yeah. H-E, oh, H-E Labor Field. You haven't been there in a, yeah. in a, hot, in a hot minute. Mm. It's a bit of a shame because um, Patrician Brothers is such a fantastic little venue for that sort of stuff. So that'll be 4.30 on the Saturday. So that's a late slot for the um, girls. They usually play in the morning. Mm. So going in it's there. It's a big day. I think there's about eight or nine games or something. Mm. So the girls. Maybe are, not that many. Maybe I'm over-exaggerating. They're probably about six. Whoa. <laughs> That was a little mic pop there. The girls have got one in, one out with um, Pearl McCarthy coming in for Lana Wall across the Teo. Uh, and otherwise, they are, you know, sort of, what is it? Was it one to fit? What is their team? They play the full side thing there, yeah. But um, yeah, they, they'll be sudden their football against the Raiders, who they beat in round one. So this will be a big test whether they can go back to back in those um, head to head fixtures there. Uh, someone posted something in Discord. Oh, Birdie. Uh-huh. Birdie's. BRB boys, uh, but yeah, um, anything you got to provide there, Ham? What do you think about this game? What's your prediction? Um, well, it just sort of seemed like they were top four, and it was just a big loss to the Newcastle Knights, who were obviously probably the best team in the competition, um, but popped, dropping down to the bottom half of the top eight. So, um, beating Canberra for them to travel up on the day um, when you're that young, it's it's more of a problem than if you're in the first grade side so um we're talking about tasha gale right yeah right? tasha gale, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, in the right grade you're in the right grade I was going right. um, <laughs> uh, yeah so I, I think i think they'll maybe not comfortably put them away because finals is always a different um kettle of fish so um it would be fantastic for him to get to the week two of the finals just as a learning yeah, experience oh, especially coming from uh wooden spoon last year to you know, making week to the finals, I think mm-hmm. um, that would be absolutely awesome for them. So that means that, as we mentioned, the Harrow Matthews are out of finals contention, which puts us onto the SG Ball. And they'll be playing the table topping Manly Warringa Seagulls out at Lotterland, as Ham told us at the start. And this is 11.30 on Saturday. So that'll um, take place before the Tasha Gale. A couple of big ins for the boys. Um, Samuel Hughes tops that list. But Jaden Skinner, Taylor Moala, and Tavita Masma come into the extended lineup, I believe. What have we got named here? Yeah. They have named yep. 20 players. Uh, so it's going to be most most of the same for the boys. David Tui gets a starting hooking job. Uh, and that means Caleb Toey will be the bench utility, it looks like. Aside uh, from that, uh, Josh Torpolota will be. Uh, no, four- you're Desmond Rocchetti. Uh, Desmond Rocchetti, there you go. Sorry. Um, Caleb Toey's the lock slash prop. Yeah. So Josh Tupelotu will be at, Penny Toey. Yes, Penny Toey, who's in the centres. Uh, yep. Josh Tupelotu will be at fullback. Uh, Samuel Loizu, Viliami Panasini, Penny Toey or Pennyoni Toey, and uh, uh, Nagamu Hate, who has unfortunately replaced our uh, podcast favourite. Um, got to have a complete break now. I can't call him the favourite. Sean Russell. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, Sean Russell. Uh what happened to um? I have a complete brain aneurysm now. You you already mentioned penicillin. No, mate. Kamalafi. Oh yes, yes, of course. Oh yes. So that's, uh, that's he was at the last game. Yeah, too, that, that's so a that's a pretty yeah. big pretty big absence for the boys. Kamalafi being one of their most well rounded players and, and a very intelligent winger for the age group. Um, so I'm, I'm really lucky. I'm not asked to commentate on those. There's some, there's some, the, those names. The, 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 a couple on the weekend that were pretty hard, but they're ridiculous. So the, Harry, the Harold Matthews has these boys covered. Don't you worry about that. The um, SG ball is actually pretty comfortable to um, call these these boys. But moving on, you got Tyler Field and Jacob Arthur uh, packing in at five eighth and halfback. Dave Hollis, Dave Tui, and Taylor Moala, the odd man out in the um, the David front row. 
Uh, Trey Mooney, Tony Matelli, and Jonte Jr., Beth and Mesa will be the starting back rowers. And I dare say that Trey Mooney will have the C next to his name when it comes to running out in the field. Uh, on the bench, we talked about Desmond Ricchetti and Caleb Toy before, but Samuel Hughes, Albert Iwatu Faevi are on the um, what, what's listed as the um, starting interchange bench. And the extended bench has Peter Tatio, Jaden Skinner, and Tavita Masma there. Um, Manly, notable players in there. Uh, K.O. Weeks is a pretty handy fullback slash 5 8 uh, you've got Albert Hopwide in the centres, and that's interesting that he's in the centres over fullback. Um, and he's joined there by another famous surname in Ben Dubojevic. Uh, Josh Schuster is at 5'8", and he's their best player, I dare say. Um, I'm just looking at their fullback. Uh, their fullback, you've got Zach Fulton. So there's a lot of um, second or third generation players in there. Um, but yeah, I think that Josh Schuster is probably the, the, the pick of their players right here. I think so. Just big, skillful, fast, mm. knows his footy. Um, I think there's I think there's just too much talent, particularly in the back line. Now, um, and we, we we talk about this earlier in the podcast that these boys did fight to a twenty one draw earlier in the season, so our team can match up against them, but they're going to need to play good football. I think on um Saturday if they're going to beat this team like really good football. And I, the refs need to be on their game because yeah, it, these games as we've seen in these games, it yeah. always develops into. A niggle fest and um, a yeah. lot of cheap shots, a lot of dirty little things that men like to put in. And unfortunately, their team revels in that sort of thing, whereas our team gets their flow disrupted, unfortunately. Yeah, so, you know, as much as our boys try to, I think about when you were 18 years old, how hot-headed. Oh, I know I was hot-headed. <laughs> as much as I sound relaxed now, I was, I was at 18 years old, I was a little hot-headed. So, um, yeah, so it'll get, get on your skin quickly. The rest need to be on top of that sort of stuff and just sin bin or send off three or four of their players from the get go. So as soon as they get off, <laughs> just send them off. So um, um you're, you're, in particular, you're tipping... Albert Hopawate, um, Josh Huster, <laughs> Ko Weeks, and Tyrese Matungi. Yeah, that's that would be lovely. Thank you, people. So you're you're tipping a likely manly win here, and the Parramatta Eels to get a second by the cherry uh, in week two. Yeah, I just I think they've just got too much. I think that I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, obviously, just too much in the back line. You you want the win, but it's going to be tough. They're going to be they're going to be underdogs coming to this game. Absolutely, especially I'd say Lotto Land's not really a home ground advantage because eighty percent of their team comes from Blacktown, Seven Hills, um, <laughs> Parramatta area. So uh, that's a fantastic point to segue on. Uh, moving so, moving yeah, on to no. the you know, Sydney Shield, the Guildford Owls will be. Um, uh, I think they're hosting St Mary's. That'll be on Sunday, one o'clock. I think the the I think Hamish has got the Owls in at third place and St Mary's at fourth place, so the Owls doing all right in the Sydney Shield. Ron Massey Cup will see the uh, Wests. Are they West Tigers in that grade, or are they um are they the joint venture? I don't know. Let's call them West yeah, Tigers. Sure. They're in they're in eighth place and they travel. So they'll be hosting Wenty, who are in first place. Uh, Wenty always a powerhouse in the Ron Massey Cup. That'll be at eleven o'clock uh, on the Sunday, and then moving on to the uh, three important grades. We'll start with Jersey Flake. The eighth place Raiders will be hosting Parramatta, who are stone cold last. Well, they're not stone cold. Manly's there without a win as well, but our foreign against is slightly worse. Um, so it's no, isn't it better? Is it better? I don't know. Is it? A, yeah, we're second last. There man. you go. We're second last. There you go. We, we, the little things, guys. Yeah, you've got uh, to so take the positives. It's the eighth place Raiders hosting the thirteenth placed Parramatta Eels. One fifty, fourteenth, uh, which is Sunday. Um, I don't. You know, none of these games are televised. Unfortunately, this will be out no. at Canberra or is it out at Mounties? Uh, which which no, it's is Canberra. Canberra. There you go. So uh, this will be this will be a tough one for our boys. 
Um, they're without, we mentioned before, but Johnny Fenua got banged up with a pretty bad ankle injury, so he's out of action. So that means that Michael Cheer has been named to uh, shift the fullback with JP Norris staying in the centres. Norris being the more experienced fullback in recent years, but I think they're making a conscious decision to focus on his development potentially as a centre here, which isn't, you know, which is, which is certainly with merit there. I'm um, just trying to think what else. Uh, Joe Tapari has been named officially in the starting team, but he did play last week. And the other, in uh, not important, but notable return is that of James Porter, who got an absolutely disgusting uh, high shot against the Canterbury Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago, and he's named the extended bench. Um, but looking at that team, I don't think there's any um, significant changes there, Ham. No, not really. Um, there's a few on the bench. Um, I did notice Solomon Naiduki, who's the... Yeah, one of our Fijian uh, prospects. Fijian were brought across. Look what the cat uh, dragged in. Things were going so good until um, the return of the other Hamish. You there, Rubber? Behave, behave everybody now. He's back. <laughs> Everyone, quick run. Nothing to see here. Nothing to say <laughs> he, either. He's got nothing yeah. to say, guys. Yeah, he knows that this is a tight ship without him. But yeah, this this will be an important test for our boys here because they're obviously winless after three starts. I think Canberra were a team they played in the preseason. They actually got the um, the jump on them at the end of the game in a, a, a relatively high-scoring affair. It was, what, 26-24 or 28-26? Yeah, something like that. It was by two points. Yeah, it was it was a close a close win when they got the last try in the last couple of minutes. Um, traveling there obviously is never a good thing as far as you know home field advantage. But with Joe Tapari, <laughs> God damn it, Hamish. <laughs> with um Joe Tapari um having his second week back now, bearing in mind he's coming back from ACL injury. So if you subscribe to that theory that the second season will be when he makes his full recovery, that's twenty twenty. But um, having a just a steady hand in the half should help this team a lot. Um, so hopefully they can get the win there. Uh, now moving on to the Canterbury Cup, the formerly uh, Intrust Super Premiership, and formerly New South Wales Cup, formerly New South Wales Cup, that's New right, New South Wales Cup, formerly uh, Premier League, formerly <laughs> it's had it's had a, it's had Jim a few Jim Bean Cup, that Jim, Jim Bean, Bean Cup, Cup at one point, yeah, it's had a few iterations. Um, whoa, uh, another mic pop there. Uh, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, the boys had a fantastic win against Newtown. And, um, testing. Oh, there we go. <laughs> testing. Um, rip, rip tail. Okay, I'm back. I've got the record going. Hey, welcome back, brother. Good to have you back here. Um, you, oh, I'm you, leaving. See you later. Yeah, exactly. You've broken the Highlander rule. We can only <laughs> one Hamish ever. So it means that you have to have battle to uh, death, of course. But um, with the, the CC team list, uh, Rip Taylor hasn't made any... Um, extravagant changes which you wouldn't expect considering how the the team is sort and sort of starting to come together now um the team named on paper isn't its strongest iteration because of the guys that are on the nrl extended bench but you've um got josh bergerman at fullback damon gulagong and gregor lucio on the wings uh josh mahinick and ethan perry in the centers brad kieran and reese davies will be your starting halves with mitch buttfield takina valia in props with matt mccurick at hooker andrew davies salisi fainga and blake cook are your starting back row but I, did, I don't think that's going to be the starting back row on game day. Um, Haimona Hirodi, Doris Miller, Joel Luwani, and Jacob Esau around at the bench. And they'll be playing the um, the top-seeded team this week, so it's going to be a real litmus test for Wente as they sort of build off the last few games. Uh, the, uh, what are they, Mounties. God, Mounties. Terrible team name, Mounties. They're 3-1 <laughs> um, and, and on top of it. I mean, come on, man. Like you got, they're, they're just the Mounties. Like they the, still have juniors, man. And they do still Mount have juniors. Pritchard, just what? Instead of having an identity crisis, just call himself bloody Mount Pritchard. <laughs> the Mount Pritchard Mounties. I, I mean, that's at least amusing. <laughs> uh, but um, this this team um, will give them a real test. They're three and one after four four rounds of play. 
they're um they're on top of the table, obviously. Um, the so, the, the Wenty Magpie, sorry, um, will likely be with the services of at least three of the four um, extended NRL bench players, which are Bevan French, David Gower, Ray Stone, and Josh Hoffman. One of them will probably be the 18th man for the NRL game, probably David Gower, which means that Bevan French, Ray Stone, and Josh Hoffman will probably play halfback, uh, lock, and fullback in that order. So that'll help boost the team um, pretty handily. Ham, um, you were out there on Sunday afternoon and saw that big win. Do you reckon they can knock off the, the top-seeded team after four weeks? Um, um, yes. That's it. That's my boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I, just, I just had a quick look at uh, the Canberra Reserve team. And, you know, you've got a, a few notable faces in there like Simmonson, um, Tony Satini, who people would know from, I believe he played for Penrith Manly. and Manly, yes. Ben, Penrith and Manly. Yes. Arthur Hingano, Emre Gula, um, and of course, Eels fans would remember uh, Dean Matteson. Dino. So, um, yeah, I think they can get over the top of them. And, and Wenty have been to, improving, uh, so th- this will be a really good test of where they're at. They um they knocked off the reigning premiers in the Kennedy Bulldogs. I suppose then, it depends who drops back. Yes, well, I, as I said, being for, on I, game day, oh, they might be able to play, but usually they keep. If the eighteen and nineteen players, yes, that that's true. An hour before kickoff, so they they might be forced to keep two of those four players back. In which case, you probably expect Bevan French and Ray Stone, or Bevan French and Josh Hoffman. Maybe I think David Gow is almost a certainty as the eighteenth man for the NRL. Whether the um the nineteenth man is Stone or Hoffman will be interesting to see. But, um, I think now that Rick Taylor's been there for what season a bit, you think his influence is now starting to rub into that team? No, uh, this is this is Rip's first season. He, um, is it? Yeah, okay, yeah. But he, well, do you think that's is one of the main differences and the reason why we're I think through? so. I think that the you can start seeing that team coalesce into a, you know, not not like a you know world beaters or anything. Given that the talent levels in the team probably don't match some of the the competition heavyweights at the moment, but they play tough and you know they play pretty consistent. And if they can get if they can keep Bevan French in the halves, they'll have a real shot at beating most teams. I think. Which takes us. And Ham, you got anything else to add to that before we get on? Uh, go the Magpies. Go the Wenty Magpies. Plenty. <laughs> that takes us to the uh, premier matchup of every week, which is the NRL game, unless it's a bye week, which is one of. That comes up late in the season, though, so we'll, we'll pretend I didn't say that. Uh, and that'll be once again against the Canberra Raiders. And this is the uh, the final slot on the week. Um, we travelled to Canberra to play Sunday 6, 10 p.m. is kickoff. And now this was um, a game that not many had penciled as, a, as an important game at the start of the season, but all of a sudden it's now a legitimate candidate for match of the round with um, uh, a, a top four berth on the line for both the Raiders and the Eels here. Um, I was listening to the um, to the back three today and they had it as their match of the round. Yeah, and uh, as you're saying, like, um, you know, sort of neutral pundits now putting it out there and it, it's just funny how you know, after a month of football so much can change. Um, but getting into the lineups, if I can not make a meal of that, the Eels will be um, unchanged, I'm pretty certain, which isn't a shock after we put away one of our bogey teams in the Cronulla Sharks, but Quinton Gufferson's going to be wearing the one with the C next to his name. Wingers are Maker Sevo and Blake Ferguson. Michael Jennings and Brad Takarangi will be the centres. Jamin Salmon, Mitchell Moses in the halves. Front row reads is Daniel Alvaro, Reed Money and Junior Paulo, with the back row being Sean Lane, Murata Niakore and Tepe Maroa. The, uh, the sorry, the short extended, the short part of the extended bench, the uh, the guy's name fourteen to seventeen, 
uh, Penny Terepo, Tim Manor, Kane Evans, and, and a really positive sign. Oregon Kafusi continues to hold a spot down in first grade with uh, Dave Gower, Ray Stone, Josh Hoffman, and Bevan French rounding out that extended lineup. Uh, for the Raiders, give me two secs because I was not super organized because I'm not a fantastic host like Hamish. No, Canberra, that's terrible. Let's just go to NRL.com. Sorry, guys. Let's just um, that at fullback on hey, the wing, here we go. and Jordan Rapana <laughs> at centers, Jared Croker and BJ Lailua in the halves. And this is did did you touch on that? I went on the um, the no, the we'll, we'll go, we're going to do that for our um, our outros. And, and yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, but in any event, I, they're, they're my pick of their, their weakest link, um, is Jack White and, and Sam Williams starting props, Papali and Luai. And then Josh Hods- Hodson as their hooker in the second row. John Bateman, Elliot Whitehead, and Ryan Sutton in the 14. Saliba Havili, uh, Hudson Young, Isaiah Soliola, and Joseph Tarpany. And then the extended bench, Hunt, Caesar, Simmons, Simonson, and uh, JJ Collins. Um, the one the one thing I saw on there was potentially Aiden Caesar coming back early. Yeah, there was a bit of talk about that, but, I mean, Canberra fans being pretty um, ambivalent as to whether they like Caesar or um or Sam Williams. I don't think they've got much love for either at the moment. It would probably suggest that. No, no, I was Sorry, wrong. I was wrong. Conti- I was wrong. Continue on, forty. You're the uh, host. Now, <laughs> where I was going to start with this game is that uh, we've got a, a resurgent Leipana combination with BJ Lalua in a. Is he in a contract year? He must be in a contract year because all of a sudden he's actually pulled his finger out and is playing some decent football. While Jordan Rappin is back from a, a pretty serious injury he sustained in the international part of the season last year, and they're terrorising teams on the uh, right edge. And the other part that's looking um, looking like Canberra's real strength is those English imports across the Ford pack. Uh, Bateman, obviously Josh Hodson at Hooker. Uh, they got who was the um the other no name guy that had that had a really good game last week. You, you mentioned him uh, in the lineup, obviously. Um, Hudson Young wasn't it off the bench? Yes, yeah, that that'd be the one there. Yeah, um, sorry, Ryan Sutton is the other one, and then Hudson Young. So they're, they're, all of a sudden they've just stacked their team with English guys and it's working a treat for them. They're, they're the best players are bloody pommies. Um, none, of, none of the Aussie, Aussie blokes will sign with Canberra and go down and get down there. In that no, they, they, the they struggle. The same, yeah, whereas the, the weather's much like home for the um, the English boys. They, yeah. they play the best there. <laughs> and, and thanks, Ricky. Signed all the dud pommy players to the Eels. Yeah, got old Lee Mossop. <laughs> in the nutcase that never got here. Uh, Gareth Hawk, Gareth Hawk, <laughs> who became one of the most annoying memes in Parramatta fandom for like so many years. Uh, but yeah, what what do you boys think of our chances? Um, I think historically this is an absolutely awful matchup in Canberra. I think uh, on Twitter we we're, were sort of buzzing about how 2006 was the last time we beat them, and I think we're now one game removed from it being as bad as that infamous Dragons bogey uh, that they had with Canberra up in the nation's capital. Is this still unrelenting podcast, even though our supreme hey, leader is back? He, he's he's handed off the um hosting duties for whatever reason. So um, right. start shooting from the hip, son. So fuck him, we'll fuck him up. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, oh good god, <laughs> they've got nothing. Who have they played? Look who they've put Titans. I could Titan beat Titans by myself. I could beat Titans by myself. I'd just go there and kill them. <laughs> they they have had a, a relatively soft run so far, which mm. you know, yeah, which, and they lost to the Storm twenty two ten. But that having having said that, that you, can only, you can only play what's in front of you, and it's the same argument that's been level for Parramatta. But yes, this will be an important game for both teams in that regard. They're both you know meeting as not contenders, but as you know upper echelon teams at the moment. Uh, where, where where do you think we can get we can get them beat, boys? Forward pack, Four back line? Park, one to thirteen. <laughs> okay, let's let's just, let's just put him in the sim bin for in the sim bin for a moment because um, he's 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 being very one eyed, which I love. But um, 
Birdie, PM, uh, the the, um, um, the lesser Hamish in the past, this line. In the past, their forwards were just they were notoriously a massive pack. You had Boyd, Ginger Paula, Papali, and now they're just they're like pinner forwards. They're just nothing. Like mm. when you've got Papali, who's he's a back rower lock. He's, if he's your prop, that's when you're severely lacking um, genuine props. Like yeah, our forwards should kill them. Like realistically, like yeah. The only thing I ha- I hate with them is uh, Croker seems to have a good game against us, and um, Hodgson. That's it. Hodgson is the one we got. We got to contain him. Mm-hmm. That's it. And if we do that, that's we fair. should win easily. And um, you know, just yeah. PM, what's your oh, kid? Uh, what's your key to victory? Well, I think this is the first really big test for Mike Asimo. He's got Rapana and Leilua. He's got to defend against. He's got Jennings inside him at least to help. But this is going to be a big test for him, and I think they're going to go Raiders. That's where most of their points have been coming from. I don't think they're scoring much points on the other side of the field. I would probably rate Nick Kotrick a better prospect, but he's not getting much ball over that side. Yeah, with, so, they're sort of focusing all their efforts on that that late partner combination, aren't they? That's a good point you're yeah, up there because uh, yeah. that, that matchup between Sevo and, and Rapinoe will be very interesting to watch because in previous years, Rapinoe has given um, Semi an absolute bath offensively. Mm. Um, and if Sevo can do any sort of job marking him, that'd be fantastic and a, and a real big step up for the Eels. Uh, well, who else? Well, I, I think we've got it over him in the back row. So I think our back row minutes, minutes. Now our glory. Now I think that's our glorious leader Hamish. Is the um is Mitchell Moses going to be the difference between the two teams, or you got you know another player or positional group that you think will get us over the line? Yeah, I, I like the direction of the halves, um, and I think Moses really stood up to the plate last week. Uh, Salmon, whilst he defended pretty well, um, had a relatively quiet game, but um, Moses and, and Gutho really linked up in that regard. And um, I thought uh, Salmon didn't have that that connection with Sean Lane that we'd seen in the first three games between Brown and Lane. Um, but I think, yeah, certainly in the halves, providing a bit of direction. But again, our forwards need to go forward. Reed needs to have a good game because um, he's up against one of the better hookers, or I, I would say one of the top three uh, hookers fair. in the game in Josh Hodson, and I think, as Bertie touched on, the key to keeping Raiders quiet is to um, keep Hodgson quiet because he, he seems to be their leader in both defence and attack given their uh, halves combination of Williams and um, and um, the boxer, Wyden. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he certainly hasn't started <laughs> the season slowly, but does anyone think there's a little bit of extra juice in the tank this week for Junior Polo? Is there something extra to prove? I think sure. there could be. There Wasn't there... Um, a game where we played the Raiders after he'd signed, but was still playing for us. Where he really put it, put the sword to them. I that might like have been the it. 2016 game. That yeah, that would have yeah. been the 26. The the 20. That that yeah. was the four and uh, Norman combination, which was um, a sign of things that weren't to come. Unfortunately, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I remember him putting on a few big shots and um, you know making some good meters that game. So possibly, um, I think our key to victory, like. At, is um, limiting their back three just like it would be to us, especially um, uh, what are we, who are we talking about? Kotrick and uh, Rapana, Rapana. Um, you know, you limit those two work, working their meters out. Um, you know, their forward packs mobile, so they get back there pretty quick, pretty early on the set. Um, but if you limit their meters, then you know, it could, could be similar to us last year where um, their forwards maybe only able to ruck it out to the 40 or so metre line and they get a shonky kick away. Um, they're now big backs, back three, um, head us up to the 50 metre line. So, 
yeah, I think that's that's a key to victory there. Well, we just got to play the game that we've been playing. The, that, that's the big thing, isn't it? If, if we play the game that we've played, the you know, barring that last twenty minutes against the Roosters, if we play that brand of football, you know, aggressive when we need to be, uh, you know, good defensive integrity and lots of commitment from you know every player across the park, we're going to have a red hot chance to beat this team and you know bury that hoodoo and you know go into the top four. Now, um, interesting question, boys. Over or under on um, Kane Evans throwing two good offloads. What do you got? What do you mean by good? Good. Like actually finding the man on the four. Okay, so they don't hit the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who wants but the, do we pick them up? Who wants Who wants the overs? Okay, if we pick them up, I'll, I'll call it a good offload. Oh, two's on the money. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to take the flat line there? <laughs> oh. Now, not not the you know put the, the daggers in the game because he's actually playing some good football when he comes around the ball. Just those, those offloads always get the heart in the mouth. <laughs> um, but he's, he's been better with them. Though. Like last week, he, I, don't, I don't know if he did more than one offload last week, but he, he seemed to tuck the ball under the arm. Well, yeah, so wherever he's had he, he word his up, ear from the coach or something. He but, ended up drawing a little bit of praise across some um, various players. Paul Gallon of all people gave him a little bit of love on the Sunday footy <clears> show. <throat> and I think um, someone mentioned that Brad Arthur had a, a lengthy interview on either Triple M or, or 2UE or BSB, one of those um, radio channels. And uh, he he called out Ken Evans as being you know a big improver and had a great game on the weekend. So the the big red machine, the devil's favorite demon, he's on he's on the upward trend. And he needed to be after a pretty diabolical twenty eighteen. But um, you know between him and Tim Manor and now Penny Trepo, we've got a lot of um impact off the bench, and that's going to be you know up against what is it uh, Sevilla Havili Hudson Young Isaiah Soliola and Joseph Tapani. There's a couple of good players in there Soliola and Tapani, but they've got a real chance to, to take control of that second. Uh, stands are in the game when they come on. Uh, everyone else got anything to offer for that pre the pre the preview before we get to our predictions? The pre- 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 preview. You're right about bench. I think our, our bench we lose less take front rowers off and bring Timmy and Kane on. I think we lose less than a lot of other teams do. Send it send come and on and play the same game. That's another parallel to 2017 when our bench was giving us a lot, even if it wasn't you know relatively high profile. They were coming on and, and lifting the tempo and lifting the aggression in that, um, you know, second channel of the game. So if we can start, you know, or consistently get that from the likes of Tarepo, Manor, Evans, Kafusi, Gower, Stone, if he gets a run, you know, it's going to really position us, to win, position us to, you know, win against the, you know, especially the mediocre teams, but even the good and, and great teams. But yeah, anything else, boys, before we move on to predictions and shout-outs? Niente? All right, let's get no. on with it. Uh, yeah. Starting starting with predictions, um, I get to go last this week, which is fantastic. Uh Hamish, or ham, rather, what you got for me, brother? Oh, bearing in mind that someone has stepped on your territory this week. I know. I'm, I'm very, I'm very mad. Um, <laughs> you told me to say that. <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't be mad. <laughs> it's called you're, a joke. You're married, brother. You should know about this sort of stuff. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, well, it's meant um, to come from the women, not the men. Far <laughs> out. <laughs> All right. Um. I'll go you one better, 33 nil. 33 nil. Who kicks the field goal? Or <laughs> who who kicks kick, the field goal? Who kicks the field goals? That could be three field goals or five field goals. No, nah, it's only one. Oh, there you go. And it's it is Clinton Gutherson. Clinton Gutherson. That would be like his first career field goal. First yeah, try scorer? First try scorer. Who's Fergo up against? He would be uh, left edge. He's, he's our right edge up against our left edge, which is um, – uh, That's Croker. um Kotrick, isn't it? Kotrick and Croker, yeah. Um, Junior Paulo, and he'll get the double. 
<laughs> uh, beautiful junior paul if the the revenge double and continuing that streak that you mentioned earlier in the podcast that's a nice absolutely little, um, nice little throwback there uh bertie what do you got for me brother um so first try score going for Friday again going to double up can't go wrong i mean he got it he got it last week yes yeah you know he pops up at the right time so yeah having a, having a nice little season his old uh, old boy simba and what do you got for the um, um, the margin and the the scores, oh, It's gonna. I'm going to twenty eighteen, uh, and 20. we're gonna get a controversial pen, penalty. Um, the seventy ninth minute to kick a to kick a goal. Mitchell Moses. So, yeah. Just, yeah. Just to clarify, and be like right in front. So par- 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 um, maybe they're offside from a field. Maybe they're offside from from a field goal. But we know Canberra Croker's a good kicker, so he's not going to miss it. So it's just gonna, it's going to come down to it'll be a uh, one to six margin. But beautiful. And for the, the first time in a long time, PM, what do you got for me, brother? Oh, I think we can get up. I think we can. 22 to 14, I think is the scoreline, and that'll be three tries, a couple of penalty goals. Mitch is going to kick five from five. He has been going. The first try scorer, taking a bit with our junior Paulo. So I might go with Gutho instead. He'll get the ball. Instead of passing out wide, he'll throw the dummy and go. Slice through. Beautiful. And now in an unfamiliar position for um for our big man, the number one podcaster uh hamish what are your predictions for first try scorer and the overall uh game score yeah so i'm on the same wavelength as pm gutho for the first try scorer uh but final score eels 30 raiders 22 it's going to be a high scoring affair for mine um both both teams like to chance their arm uh use the ball while they've got it in possession and this year with the um the interpretations around the ruck and um only blowing penalties when when they're actually required. Um, I think both teams have sort of uh, thrived in that environment uh, with the ball in play more. Jeez, um, that's, so big scoring affair. That's the um, sort of insightful you know commentary that people come to listen to the number one power podcast for. Good stuff, Hamish. Now, before I get to my predictions, is anyone else going to jump on Ham's little um, neat stat about the Parramatta Eagles going four games in a row with a, a try score hitting a double? We're going to do that. We're I, think, going to... I think the trouble is, is once you raise that point, then <laughs> <laughs> you sort of jinx yourself. Who's who's got the balls to back the um the five I times? Got the chutzpah. That's right. Seven's going to have a hat trick. You Damn. heard it here first. There we go. But that that breaks the streak as well. That's now it's yeah, going to be. It's going to be a double. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyone anyone back in the um yeah. fifth the fifth game in a row for the Parramatta Eels to get a double on the try scorers list? Yeah. There we Why go. not Guffer? P- PM's in there for Guffer. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, for me, I'm going to go for Manka Sivo, first try scorer. No particular reason for it. Just um, back in the uh, the new flying Fiji to get across the uh, the try scorers list there. Uh, and I think, mm, I mean, logic says that, you know, we shouldn't win, but we're also overdue. So Parramatta up 30 to 14, get a few points of four and against, get us, you know, pushing up to the upper echelons of the top four. And uh, that that should hopefully be a game without controversy, but Parramatta, you never know. Are you, are you tipping a double for someone forty? It's got to be a double, man. You you got to get five out of them, you know, five of them in, and ride that streak. It doesn't make. Who is it? Uh, let's go. So make a seven first try scorer, the double Mitch Moses. Mitch there Moses. There we See, go. You, you're hearing that Hamish and um, Birdie. Non-believers. You're cowards. Non-believers. You're cowards. I want to jinx it, man. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good point, though. So that rule ran out. Fickle. Better yourself. That's it, Ham. <laughs> Laying out the law, Highlander law, being the, the number one Ham on the um, the podcast. But that, that'll round out our predictions for round five. 
I think everyone's tipped the Parramatta to win. It's been um, statistically a pretty good uh, backer coming into the first month of football with Parramatta knocking over seventy five percent of their wins. How much is it? How much better is your tipping streaks this year? <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going worse. I'm going so much worse than last year. Last I haven't year. done much for general for general tips. Coming top of the comp this year, I'm plumb coming bloody dead last by about four or five. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Last um, year was guaranteed loss every week. This week, there's almost a guaranteed win so far. Stop tipping. Going worse. What? What? Did, you, did, you just five, five, did you just suggest five, that he six, tipped six and then four on the weekend? And three, those three golden point games, I got all of them wrong. I mean, just just to put a, a halter on the talk there, did you just suggest that Ham tips Penrith? No, it's just a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> uh, there are some lines that you can't cross, Bertie. Yeah. And I, I think you just went over one of them, bro. You might need to have a, a very, <laughs> very serious chat with Ham after the podcast is um, off air. That'll round out our predictions for round five. Moving on to shout-outs. And we've got a, a unique shout-out to start this segment with our glorious leader appearing like a traitor on an enemy podcast. What do you got to say for yourself, Hamish? Oh, I was just there to spruik up the bit of rivalry. Um, <laughs> the boys, that um, they, they also run Fantasy CEO. That was like one of the first fantasy mm-hmm. sort of um, things coming out. Um, and anyway, they've sort of promoted doing a, um, a, a short little segment, about five minutes, with a uh, rival podcast and just talking about, you know, uh, where, they, where they think they can win the game, where uh, the opposition's weakness is going to be, and then a predictor of the score. How confident um, were they? So- in your in your oh well it was only it was only one of the blokes there so it wasn't actually uh, the guy off the podcast it was the guy from um the uh, fantasy CEO who sort of just he does all their their run sheets Damn. and whatever else I wanted, I wanted um, you to regale us with tour um with stories of smack talk and you know banter but you just mm. you came back cold brother but thanks thanks for it sounds like they brushed it around yeah. <laughs> no good good work for um for Hamish getting out there and spreading a spreading the name of the para podcast and b also, you know, helping foster good relations between, you know, a pretty cool little community in the NRL fandom. Um, so shout-outs now. Uh, we're going to start with Ham. What do you got for me, Robert? Mate, what have I got for you? What don't I have it was, for you? It was WrestleMania this week. Everything. You got, you got any bands for me? There's a lot of talking points. What did you say before the bands? It's, it was WrestleMania this week. Yeah, but that's a North American wrestling, mate. It's not really that interesting. It's all, it's all about the Japanese and Australian wrestling at the moment. That's where it's at. Hipster, hipster wrestler over here, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, the session Moth Martina coming out to Australia. She's probably my favorite international wrestler at the moment. She looks like she's a lot of fun. So she's um, wrestling in PWA and MCW in May sometime. I don't even know. Um, I hope everyone by now has turned back their clock. Uh, savings, you want to hope so? <laughs> we're, we're more than a couple of days in now. I bloody hope so. Other than that, oh, band. Oh, you could probably check mine out if we had a name and some songs up online. And uh, well, that's that's your paper. that's your goal for next week is to give us a link to a SoundCloud. <laughs> Mate, or, we've or written something. four songs. <laughs> <laughs> the the um, longest journey nah, starts just, with the small step, Grasshopper. Just on the on the on the Twitter at ham sandwich twenty two. Oh. No, I won't. I won't. One of the Instagram one of the hottest followers on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you get there at Ham Sandwich. Yes. Oh, someone followed me the other day. Who was it? Um, wrestling fans will know this person. Super crazy of ECW and um, WWE stardom. There you go. So the the, the boy is moving go. moving up in the world. Yes. Super speaking, crazy. I never speaking thought. of moving up, the resident wildcard birdie. What have you been up to, brother? Um, nothing really. Uh. <laughs> 
Oh, I don't know. To be honest, um, what so are the Bevan having one? Um, I don't know. Oh, you know what? I'm starting to get the shits now. All my teams are playing on the same day. Saturday, I had four teams and fucking so sorry, Pucken, Oratars. What are they going to lose? Like, just you know, listen. Sort it out, Fox Sports. You know, I'm going to put my um, my teams in. At least have it once a day. Spread it out because Friday I've got nothing to do, and Sunday, you know, Sunday got to go to church, but nothing to do. But yeah, like. So what do you do now? Yeah. That, what do you do now that maths is over? I haven't watched that since. Um, oh, well, that, aren't you a maths fan? I was until that um, that Euro chick left Innes. You know, which got um, a bit boring. Who but, got, um, who, who's the the team that got who the new won? Sta- who won it? I'm about to. I'm about to turn the podcast off. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop! No maths. No maths. Oh right. <laughs> well, if you're gonna do maths, it's gotta be quick maths like that. Um, that, that meme. But no. one plus one equals two. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Bachelor yeah. Paradise yeah. starts today, so yeah, oh, that's my, all right. Birdie. Oh, there you go, man. Gonna, I asked, Birdie, I, there, there I was a rumor I heard that Birdie actually nominated for Love Island, Australia. Is I that asked correct? that these comments be struck from the record, Hamish. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, no, about uh, that, um, I can't say. Who, who's who's um, EPL team with the new um, stadium? Was it Hams oh, or Birdies? It was Birdies. You know what? This is the why. This, oh, you know what? I'm not going <laughs> to lie. No, I'm, I'm going to be like serious right now. Like When I saw the opening ceremony, which was what, five in the morning, whatever, I started to tear up. I don't know. I think it's because the journey, it was like a, it was like a long two, you know, two years, like how um, we were playing – when it was mid, like, sh- like uh, demolition and just a struggle, and it also hit home because Parramatta were like that too. But um, just just on top of the um statue, like that's, the statue, um, the stadium, back back to back stadium openings. Though that's pretty cool, pretty rare. Yeah, thing. so I'm I'm so privileged and happy to be a Neils and Spurs fan, and I'm going to be at the Parramatta's first game. But one day I'd love My to man. go to um, not Spurs, sorry, Eels game. Yeah, one day I'd love to go to the Spurs game. But yeah, I've got a toilet bit of bowl, mate. The toilet bowl. Now for his um, what, what's that? Um, do you get a free binoculars with your season ticket pass? M. <laughs> for Parramatta, you don't need them, mate. Sitting right on top of the field. Uh, that's e- mean West Ham. E- EPL smack talk right there. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. I don't know if you got about West Ham, has got me a Khalifa. Moving on. <laughs> oh my God, come on, boys. Moving on. Uh, for his first personal shout out in some considerable time, PM. Yeah, I've got what I ticked off the bucket list last Sunday. Called a game of rugby league live on the radio for the first time ever. Hey, well done, brother. Well done. We, we covered Group 2, Maxwell versus Coffs Harbour. So they was, a bit of a flogging in the second half. That was an interstate matchup right there, Queensland versus New South Wales. Maxwell, of course, being located in the Sunshine yeah, State. Yeah. <laughs> it had a Chevy passport to go into the ground, actually. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Uh, and um, there's two two NVR local radio up here in Bucket Valley Radio. We're going to podcast it. It's going to be up on the podcast very shortly. Our regular show, which Forty has been on, uh, that's a wrap. Every Sunday from five till seven, you can listen online www.2nvr.org.au. You know, it's a terrible, terrible show because good. they had me on. It was good. That was really fun. That one. That was great. And um, if you need any sporting goods, where can you get them, mate? www.sportfirstnambucket.com.au and you can use the Parapodcast 10% off your order. There you go. Parapodcast for 10% off your order and that'll be when you check out right there's a little um like voucher slash coupon. Yeah. A little coupon box there, yep. There you go. And now I'll, I'll jump in for my um my shout out before I let Hamish take over for the um the takeaway uh shout out. Um 4020 uh you know me from the Cumberland Fro um on Twitter at EelsTCT, the Cumberlandfro.com uh, you know, as always, you know, my usual sales line, there's a lot of cool stuff on there. Jump online. Don't be afraid to comment. 
uh, on the website or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Twitter's more the domain of Mitch, but I did drop a tweet the other day and it nearly stopped all the um, all the people in the office um, with the, the little knowledge bomb that our three-in-one start is only the fourth one that we've had in the NRL era. Uh, and those happened in 1998 and 1999, which is the start, the first two seasons, and then in 2016 and then in 2019, which means 50% of our best starts in the NRL era have kind of Brad Arthur, which is a cool little stat. Um, but yeah, um, catch me at those two places and uh, for me, outside of the Eels, the Seattle Mariners continue to um, do a rebuild completely wrong in a season where they're meant to tear it down and be terrible and get draft picks in baseball. They're, um, they've lost two games out of 12, I think, and they're, they're leading the entire competition and they're just dropping home runs everywhere. So that's pretty cool. And now over to the big man, Hamish. Take us away, bro. Um, so yeah, forward slash para podcast and at para podcast. Um, so... Let's uh, get 40 to take us out um, the, uh, with the play of yeah, the game. Round four play of the game. And in a night that was dedicated to his deceased brother, it was fitting that Tim Manor would lay up the uh, go-ahead try for the paramedials with an absolutely sensational run. So here we are for round four play of the game. Play of the game. Likewise, brilliant run from Manor. Straining for a quick play. The ball. Oh, oh, it wasn't even complete. What a run from Manor. In the Johnny Manor Cup game. Inspirational from Timmy. Now Moses kicking for the end goal. Oh, and that's a try, Jennings. He's been quiet most of the night, but he pops up for the try there after the spill from Dugan, I think, for Cronulla. And back okay. in front. 